You are listening to the Crossroads Community Church Podcast. To learn more about CRCC, including worship times, visit us at crcconline.com. Well, good morning. How is everybody? Good, good. we, We are terrible at that. Can I just be honest for a minute? Like, I come up here every Sunday and say good morning, and you're just like, yeah. And so, uh, but that's okay. It's fall break. I get it. And uh, some people evidently stayed up way too late watching football or, I don't know, whatever you guys do on a, on a Saturday night. But it's good to have everybody. Do me a favor, with a little bit more enthusiasm, at least welcome everybody joining us online. It's good to have you guys. Man, it's going to be great. It's going to be a great day. It is the beginning of fall break. And so I can tell by our checkerboard overalls over here that Tennessee must have done well. And everybody has orange. Uh, next week, when we get our eyeballs beat in, I expect the same orange and white to be here. And, uh, but it's one of those things, not that I'm not pessimistic. But, uh, but anyway, with that being said, man, we are in a series called Then and Now. I just want to dive into it because today's message is, is really intriguing. I, actually, for the next two weeks, I'm going to give you two concepts that hopefully will we'll inspire you through God's Word as far as leadership and what God's calling you to. But I'm also going to kind of give you a little bit of a heads up. If you've ever had anybody challenge you on the inerrancy of the Word of God and whether or not this thing called Christianity, God's Word, Jesus Christ, if that is real, and you've tried to figure out a way to try to explain that and how real it is, I'm going to give you two concepts out of God's Word that if you will listen and take notes, I will also give you two concepts outside of God's Word that is prevalent in today's life that will help you be able to explain to people that this has to be the truth. And I will let you see how those are over the next couple of weeks. It's going to be really cool. But today, I want to dive in and tell you the story of Jethro. Jethro is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. You say, why? Because his name is Jethro. Like, how awesome is that? Some of you guys have dogs named Jethro because you like that name so much. I think about what? The Beverly Hillbillies. And my favorite character was Jethro. I mean, that's just one of those names, like it just sticks. Uh, thinking back, Amy, why did we not name one of the boys Jethro? And with that look, I remember why. Uh, but it's one of those things that, you know, it's a great, great story. But it's a story that's so much bigger. He's one of these gentlemen that's only mentioned just briefly in the Old Testament. But it's one of those things that if you're not careful, you will miss the unbelievable, amazing influence and power that this one man had and how much it's changed everything. And I'm going to show you a little bit of that today. For those of you that this may be your first time, man, we are so excited to have you. Please do me a favor. Go by guest services. Drop off that Connect card for one simple purpose. I want to be praying for you this week. You have honored us with your presence, and we're going to be worshiping together and in God's Word together. And I want to just love you back by praying for you this week. But speaking of Jethro, he shows up on the scene in Exodus chapter 2, verse 18. And he shows up on the scene with a different name. A lot of times in the Old Testament in particular, you have somebody that's introduced. You think about Abram, who ends up becoming Abraham. And you have different people that show up on the scene. And if you're not careful, you will miss that these people are the same person, a.k.a. Jacob, who ends up being Israel. And so it's just one of those things that, well, he is one, Jethro, shows up on the scene as Raul. And he shows up in two 
chapter 2, verse 18. And let me kind of set you the backdrop. The backdrop's going on where Moses has been born. He has been hidden in a basket. He has been then taken up by Pharaoh's daughter. She is going to keep the baby. So they've turned around, and, and Moses' mother's sister, his aunt, has been kind of watching this scenario. So she goes to Pharaoh's daughter and says, hey, would you like for me to get one of the Egyptian slaves and have them come help feed the baby? And Pharaoh's daughter says, yes, that would be great. And so she goes back and gets Moses' mom to turn around and be the caretaker of Moses. And they were doing this because of a decree that had went out where they were killing all of these babies because Pharaoh had kind of lost his mind. He had forgotten who Joseph was, is what Scripture tells you in Exodus chapter 1. And he has realized that this large group of people called the Israelites has gotten so large that if they wanted to revolt, they could overthrow the Egyptian people. So he's trying to downsize them. Well, in this process, Moses becomes Pharaoh's son, Pharaoh's daughter's son, and he starts to have all these privileges, and all of a sudden, one day he sees one of the Egyptian workers mistreating one of the Israelite people. And Moses gets so frustrated, he ends up killing the guy. And he gets worried that somebody has seen him, so he buries him, and he thinks he's gotten away with it. And all of a sudden, the next day, he sees two people arguing in the Israelite camp, and he says something to them. And one of them makes the comment, and you can see in Exodus chapter 2 where all this unfolds. And says, hey, what are you going to do? You're going to do to me like you did one of the other workers and kill me too? And this scares Moses to death, and he takes off. He flees Egypt, and he goes to a well. And while he's at this well, there are these seven women, these daughters, and they are the daughters of Jethro. And while they are there getting water, Moses is also going to get water, and some shepherds come up. And I'm giving you all of chapter 3 in a nutshell, so just bear with me, of Exodus. And as this takes place, Moses stands up to these shepherds and protects these seven daughters. Well, the daughters go back, and they get back early. And when they get back early, Jethro says, at this time is Raul, says, how are you back so early? And they say, oh, there was this Egyptian. There was this man, and he helped us. He helped draw water for our animals. He protected us. And his response to his daughters are, well, where is he at? And they're like, well, we left him. You know, he's back at the well, and he's like, go get him. And so they go back and they get Moses and bring Moses back. And Moses and him, Jethro, start this amazing relationship. In fact, in chapter 2, in particular in verse 21, it says that Moses was content to dwell with this man for a long period of time. Well, in this process, Jethro gives Moses one of his daughters in marriage. And it says, if you were to study God's word, that for roughly 40 years, Moses is in the farm, on the scene, in a place called Midian, with Jethro as his father-in-law. Yes, Jethro is the father-in-law of Moses. But it's so much more than that. To give you a little bit of a time frame, all of this would be taking place a little bit before 1440 B.C. Now, I like to give you those dates, and I think it's extremely important because I believe there's a lot of people that try to date 
different things in God's word, and you'll have these people, and I, I want to be real careful here, but you'll have these people that want to tell you how certain things are millions and millions of years old, which is ironic because the earth from the creation of the world is only roughly about 6,000 years old. So I don't know how you get millions of years when we're only 6,000 years old. You say, well, Mickey, how do you know that? Because I can use the dating that's in God's Word. So where do I get the 1440 from? This is just a little extra. This is free of charge, okay? But in 1 King, 1 King uh, chapter 6, verse 1, it says, 480 years after the exile in the fourth year of his reign, and it's talking about when he started building the temple. Well, we know that when it says that number after the exile, and we know the fourth year of his reign, we know that the, we started that, that was 960 B.C. So if we do a little bit of math, we know that the exile took place in 1440. Well, this is going to predate the exile for just a little bit. So Jethro has shown up on the scene a little bit before 1440 B.C. Now, all of that is just a little bit of just like, whew, I want to get you on the same page. That's how Jethro has entered God's word and we're understanding what's taking place. He is the father-in-law of Moses, but he is also the priest of the Median area. That would basically be roughly around the Sinai Peninsula. It would be on the coast, and he is the main priest that is overseeing this. Now, I want you to think for a minute. Here's a man who is fleeing something he did wrong, he comes to a well, he meets these women, he does what is right, and the process of doing what right, God opens up doors for him to have a relationship with Jethro. He spends 40 years with them, and Jethro's influence, being a priest of God, ends up being bestowed all into Moses' life. It's not long after this that Moses is going to encounter a burning bush and hear from the Lord. Question number one, how can you recognize God's voice if it's never been demonstrated in your life? How can you recognize God's voice if it's never been demonstrated in your life? I will tell you, it's borderline impossible. But the reason why Moses could recognize God's voice it's because he's been around Jethro, and Jethro's influence in his life has made him understand not only the laws of God, but also what it means to worship God and these amazing concepts of offerings and this amazing aspect of a priest. Now, just think about this. The gentleman, Moses, who is going to end up leading God's people out of captivity has his biggest catalyst in his life be his father-in-law in his father-in-law's faith. I don't think that Jethro realized when he was calling Moses to his house and giving him his daughter, I don't think that Jethro realized that in his sphere of influence, in doing what he was called to do, that he was going to end up mentoring and loving literally the person that delivers God's people out of captivity. I don't think he realized that he was going to take this man, mentor him, guide him, and be the person that goes to Mount Sinai who God speaks and gives the Ten Commandments. 
I don't think at any point when Jethro is talking to Moses that God has shown Jethro, hey, buddy, you may want to watch this one because this guy, Moses, he's going to be a game changer. Just like you don't realize the people you run into. You know, one of the things that I'm consumed with is, is for example, I wonder if the guy that, that talked to Billy Graham about Christ realized how big of a deal Billy Graham would be. Like, I wonder if the person that talked to, and you can list the person, realized how big of a deal that person's influence and faith was going to be. See, a part of today's message is for you to realize that your influence is so much greater than just you. Like there are people that God is leading you to that the way that you love them, the way that you inspire them, the way that you mentor them may not make any sense to you. But to God, he is putting the deliverer of his people in your life's path. So not only can you be a deliverer of God's people out of slavery and into freedom, but that they can have a major influence. I can sit there, I can talk about Pastor Sam, I can talk about myself, I can talk about Haley, I can talk about you guys individually. I wonder if the people that told us about Christ realized how big of a deal you were going to be. You say, Mickey, I, <laughs> I mean, that's where you got it wrong. I'm not that big of a deal yet. I'm telling you, when we talk about being life-giving, and helping people know God, and to find freedom, and discover their purpose, and to go make a difference. Most of you are going to be catalysts to God taking people out of captivity and into freedom. It's just, he's patient with you. That's the reason why it's so important, everything that God is calling you to do. But the amazing thing is, sometimes God's obedience in your life is bigger than your impact. It's really about the impact and the journey of someone else that God's given you the ability to pour into. That's the reason why I, I did student ministry for so many years. I still to this day love students. So thankful for Pastor Sam and what he does with our students. Because the reality is, is you don't know. Like that knucklehead, like that one, like this kid, I mean, like, Lord, does he even need to be here? Like, why are they here? Why don't they just leave? Why don't they, like, they're a distraction. Now, we don't have any of those here. You guys are all amazing. I'm talking about those other places. I know you guys are great. But you wonder, because the reality is, is you realize, listen to this. Parents, here's some freedom for you. No matter where your teenager is at, their one commitment to Jesus Christ from being radically different. Their one decision. Their one movement. Their one relationship. Like Jethro changed the game. And he shows up in roughly five scriptures. I truly believe that God's people would have never gotten out of captivity. Not because of Moses, but because of Jethro. Jethro poured great 
stuff in to Moses. You say, Mickey, prove that. Well, after this little encounter where it talks about Jethro and Moses' relationship, and their love for each other is so great that literally Jethro's like, I'm going to give you one of my daughters. Like, I want you to be a part of the family. Like, imagine that. Like, like we think of that now, like, that's just weird. But you've got to realize that back in the biblical times when this is taking place, roughly around 1440 B.C., it says he was with him for 40 years before he went to the exile. So around 1400 B.C., or actually we go the other way, 1480 B.C., this was an honor. This was one of those, like, man, I, like, I love you, and I want you to be around, like, here. I want you to be a part of my family. And it's so much so that all of a sudden, Moses has a calling. He has this experience with the burning bush. God speaks to him about being the deliverer of his people. If you ever come through growth track, we talk about that a little bit, about the power of influence. He has these things he struggles with. He ends up listening to God. After listening to God, he does bring the people out of Egypt. While he's doing this, Jethro has taken Moses' wife, his daughter, and the two kids, and they have let them stay with him. Now that they've been delivered, Jethro is going to go back Find Moses, who is getting ready to enter the promised land and bring him his family back. And I want you to see the way that Moses responds. It's in chapter 18. It's not going to be on the screen yet. But I just want you to know, chapter 18, verse 7. One simple scripture that tells you how powerful this relationship was. It says, Moses went out to meet his father-in-law and bowed down and kissed him. These two guys had an amazing relationship. Here is the man that has been ordained by God who makes staffs turn into snakes, who touches the Nile and it turns to blood, who goes to the Pharaoh and talks about these plagues. All of the Israelites are looking at him as the leader. And when he sees Jethro coming, he runs to him, falls and bows down, and kisses him. Tell me that Jethro was not a big deal. But it gets even better. After he does this, if you keep reading in God's word, Jethro starts giving praise to God immediately. Rather than telling Moses how great he is, and wow, you've delivered the people. Man, I knew you could do this. That a boy, son, you've done a great... He doesn't do that. Can I read, and then we're going to get into the scripture for today, how Jethro responds. Jethro said, this is verse 10 of chapter 18. He starts praising God. Blessed be the Lord who has delivered you out of the hands of the Egyptians and out of the hand of Pharaoh, and has delivered the people from under the hand of Egyptians. Now I know that there is a Lord that is greater than all gods because in this affair they dealt arrogantly with the people. And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with the elders of Israel to eat bread with Moses, his father-in-law, before God. So literally he shows up on the scene. Moses encounters him. He bows down. He kisses him. And rather than Jethro being, woohoo! I'm the man. I told you you could do this. Immediately, you know what he does with his influence? He leverages it and points it back to God. He says, we must go have a sacrifice. 
We must put a blessing out there. We need to acknowledge the fact of what God's done. Ironically enough, do you know what? When that burning bush was going on, one of the things that God said to Moses is he says, when you deliver my people out of captivity, you will worship me on this mountain. Do you know what he's doing? He's worshiping him on that mountain. And I'm telling you all that because I want you, even though we're in the middle of fall break, whether you be here in present or whether you be online, some people maybe listen to this podcast later on, I want you to understand your influence is so much bigger than your little world that you're living in right now. Your influence is so much bigger than October the 3rd of 2020. God is bringing people into your life that you don't even realize it, but the way that you're loving them, the way you're inspiring them, the way that you're pouring into them, it will absolutely be a game changer for them. But then the next day, Jethro wakes up. And he goes to observe Moses, and this is actually the scripture that we're going to be in for today. And he observes Moses... And I want you to listen to what takes place. It starts in verse 12. The next day, Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood around Moses from morning till evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw that he was doing for the people, he said, What is it that you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone, and all the people stand around you from morning till evening? That was... Jethro basically observing. He's like, hey, man, I've already come all the way out here. I've brought you your wife and children. Everybody's great. Hey, I, I just want to hang out a little bit. I want to spend some time with you. So he goes to spend some time with him, and he sees Moses from morning till night standing in front of the people. And he says, why are you doing this? And then Moses said to his father-in-law, because the people come to me to inquire of God. When they have a dispute, they come to me and I decide between one person and an, or another. And I make them know the statutes of God and his laws. Now, can I pause for a minute? Is there anything wrong with what Moses is currently doing? No. In fact, it's one of the things that God has called him to do. He's doing exactly what God is calling him to do. But one of the things that's taking place is that somebody is looking at him and they're starting to wonder, but is this the greatest thing that God has you to do? So we're going to keep reading in the next verse. Moses' father-in-law said to him, what you are doing is not good. You ever had somebody show up in your life and you were doing something that you felt like God was calling you to do and you were deeply entrenched in that? And then somebody came up to you and they said, well, what you're doing is not good. And you're almost going, well, wait a minute. This, this is what God's calling me to do. If you've ever had that happen, I want you to kind of hone in here for a minute. His father-in-law says, what you are doing is not good. You and the people... You and the people with you will certainly wear yourself out. For the thing is too heavy for you. You are not able to do it alone. Now obey my voice. I will give you advice. And God be with you. You shall represent the people before God and bring their cases to God. And you shall warn them with the statutes and the laws. 
and make them know the way in which they must walk and what they must do. Notice that Jethro is still encouraging him to do what God had called him to do. You're still going to let them know the statutes and the laws. You're still going to understand how to obey them. At no point is Jethro telling him to not do what he was called to do. But Jethro's process and method is a little bit different. Continuing in God's word. Moreover, look for able men from all the people. Men, and then here's some characteristics. Listen to this. Men who fear God, who are trustworthy, and hate a bribe, and place such men over the people as chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And let them judge the people at all times. Every great matter they shall bring to you, but any small matter they shall decide themselves. So it will be easier for you and they will bear the burden with you. If you do this, God will direct you. You will be able to endure, and all this people also will go to their place in peace. And then underline these three words if you have a paper Bible. So Moses listened. Can I say that one more time? So Moses Listened. Have you ever had a time in your life that you look back to advice that somebody gave you and you went, oh man, if I would have only listened. I think sometimes God's word speaks very directly and amazingly to us. The problem is, is we don't want to listen. Because if we listen, we got to make an adjustment. And if we make an adjustment, that means things may change. Could you imagine if Moses would have said, but Jethro, this is where my influence is. This is where my power is. I don't want to let anybody else do this. Like, I know it's taking all day, but I like doing this because I am the main power. But he didn't do that, did he? He listened. Can I read the rest of this and we'll be done with this story? And I got a couple of insights I want to give you. He listened to the voice of his father-in-law and did all that he had said. Moses chose able men out of all of Israel and made them heads over the people, chiefs of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens. And they judged the people at all time. Any hard case they brought to Moses, but any small matter they decided themselves. Then Moses let his father-in-law depart and he went away to his own country. And we don't hear from Jethro again. You say, Mickey, what's the significance? Well, let me unpack this a little bit more. I believe sometimes we confuse our calling as our purpose, and we don't like to share it. Like there's some times in life that you need to understand. And I actually asked this question in growth track. When you find yourself in the middle of the room with the greatest influence, what are you going to do with it? Can I give you a little heads up? The goal is not to hoard it and keep it just for yourself. What Jethro acknowledged in Moses was the fact that, you know what? You can expand your influence. 
He gives him some concepts. He says, make sure there are people that fear God. Make sure there are people that, that won't take a bribe. I'm not going to get into anything political or government, but, I mean, you know what I'm saying? How much different would things be? In fact, when we think about our elders here, not only do we have a very much New Testament concept with our elders and our overseers, but we use this exact same concept as characteristics for those two governing bodies. Why? Because we want to, we want to leverage the influence. And I want you to understand that a part of leveraging that influence is people, two things, have to step up to the influence and they got to be able to give away the influence. Usually those are the two areas that people struggle with the most. You have a group of people that feel like, I don't really have an influence. Mickey, you don't understand. Because of my life and what I've done, like God would never use me. Can I go back to the original part of this story where I started with Moses killed a guy? And he fleed? You say, well, well why did he come back? Because he had somebody pour into him. Can I pour into you for just a minute? There's not anything that you've ever done that God doesn't want to totally restore and empower you for an influence. Like the only person that's holding you back from having a major influence with Jesus Christ is you. You say, Mickey, no, you don't understand. I've got people in my life. Well, then those people are the wrong people. you got the wrong people in your life. I'm not telling you to run away from them. I'm not telling you to be mean to them. You love God and you love people. You love people well. But quit listening to the wrong people. Moses, I'm sure, had a lot of these people that were caught up in slavery. If we go back to that story, boy, we can unpack that one, right? Like they start, oh, what did God really do? Is he going to bring us just out in the wilderness to die? I mean, you're talking about having critics. Moses had thousands of them. You know what he did? He blocked out the naysayers and he listened to the people that were of worth. You need to learn to identify people that have God's spirit and have worth in people that are just naysayers. And you need to listen. But not only do they struggle with stepping up to have an influence, then you start experiencing this amazing concept of what it's like to be used by God. And if you're not careful, you know what you want to do? You want to hoard it. Like, this is awesome. I get such fulfillment when God leverages my life to use it to influence others. And I just love it. I just want to do it. And God's like, but I don't need you to do it. Like, I don't need you to do all of it. Like, there's other people just like you were before you stepped into this. There's people that are waiting to step into it as well. I believe that's what the New Testament is talking about when it talks about his church. You want to know how this story from the then plugs into Christ? If Moses doesn't deliver his people out of captivity, you never get to Jesus. If Jethro doesn't explain to Moses this concept of expanding the leadership, you don't have this body that's known as Christ's church and how the hand can't look at the, the foot or the head can't look at the hand or the right can't look to the left or whatever analogy you want to do. It's one body, but we all have different purposes. And it's an amazing concept that one man, a father-in-law, Pouring in and listening to God literally changes a legacy. 
Changes the legacy of a man who took somebody's life to the man that delivered people into life. And I believe that's where he has you. You say, well, there's the then, and that's how it plugs into Jesus. What's that got to do with now? Okay, you ready? Here's the purple smoke moment. This sounds a whole lot like our court system, doesn't it? When they talk about America being founded on godly principles, one of the greatest principles is our judicial branch that has county courts that lead to state courts that lead to supreme court. Well, where did they get that from? This is the first place you'll ever see it mentioned. If somebody ever asks you, well, Mickey, how do you know God's word's true? Where did the court system come from? Can we start searching? And let's find out, what was the original first concept of what we would call the judicial system? Because if you're looking for an original, then you've got to realize that an original is very easily defined because it's, it's always the first of what's been duplicated. And so if we go back through duplication and we go to the original, then we know the original must be the truth. The fact that we live in a society that has courts throughout the land, and not just in America but in other places, proves that a man named Jethro lived, and that a guy named Moses lived, and that this judicial system entered into the Israelite people. Like, we don't even have to talk about God's word. We know that it's the inerrant word of God. Why? Because we still have courts. Right now, we are experiencing this whole concept of what's going on with this justice and, and all these different concepts that I'm not going to talk about from this stage. But you need to be praying. Why? Because our court system is one of the direct things that we have a part of our life right now that shows us if people will stop and examine that the word is exactly what it is. And if you accept the, the inerrancy of the word, listen to this, then you got to accept the message too. So if God's word is the inerrant word of God, then the message of Jesus Christ must be true as well. But here's the last thing I want to get, and I want to read it as I wrote it down. It's one simple concept, and here's what I want to leave you with to dwell on during fall break. Leadership in your life that is totally dependent on you is a short-sighted view of leadership and minimizes God's desire to multiply your life. Can I read that one more time? Leadership in your life that is totally dependent on you is a short-sighted view of leadership and minimizes God's desire to multiply your life. Can I put it in everyday English so that you catch this point? Your life and what you are doing will outlive your life. And you have the ability, depending on the way you leverage your influence, to literally change people's legacy. To take them from captivity 
and bondage to freedom and knowing God. And you know how we know that? Because this one old boy named Jethro. So my question is twofold. Who's the Jethro that you need to listen to? And then secondly, who's the Moses that you need to be Jethro to? Who's the Jethro that you need to be listening to? And then who's the Moses that you need to be pouring into? If you say, Mickey, I have a hard time answering those questions, I would tell you, you're exactly right. So can I encourage you to get into God's Word and to actively pursue Him? Because I've said this a thousand times, and I'll keep saying it for a thousand more. If you're in God's Word, and you're praying on a regular basis, I promise you, you won't miss me. If you were encouraged by today's podcast and would like to experience other talks, visit us at crcconline.com.